So I would love to introduce myself. I don't, I'm not here very often, so I know there's um, people that I haven't had the opportunity to meet yet. And so uh, I want to introduce myself with a photo, a family photo that we have. This is myself and my husband Dave in the hat, my mom Dixie, who's here with us today. Woo! Yeah, Dixie gets a shout out, always. <laughs> And then my son, Nate, who um, spoke last week, I believe, and then my beautiful daughter, Megan. So there we are, eating seafood on a hot beach in Florida in December of this year. Praise God. Okay. Yeah. And um, I have the joy and the honor of being the campus pastor of the Crossroads 2nd Street campus in Ogden. So if you're not aware, we're one church, two locations. And um, I wanted to update y'all on some fun stuff that's been happening at the 2nd Street campus. We celebrated one year um, on Easter of doing dinners every single Sunday night, open to the entire community. Um, and that is thanks in a large part to you, to all of you that signed up to shop and cook and serve a dinner at our Second Street campus. And so I think I have some pictures of Easter this year. So it was, there's everybody lined up. Um, and then we also had some baptisms on Easter Sunday. And oh my gosh, look at that smile, you guys. So amazing. Um, but I wanted to let you know we've transitioned. We're now doing a potluck the first Sunday of the month, um, more traditional services the middle Sundays, and then we still do a served dinner on the last Sunday of every month. So if you still want to be a part of that, we need 12 teams to finish out this year to cook and serve a dinner. It is one of our favorite things um, to join hands together with you guys uh, and then come together for a meal in that way. So that's really fun. I also wanted to update you, if you're not aware, we have a nonprofit that operates out of the Second Street building called the Utah Neighborhood Connection. Yeah, <laughs> it is amazing. We are getting ready to end our first year of having an after-school program um, in partnership with Highland Junior High for the junior high kids that are right across the parking lot. And it has been the most exciting thing. So we still do food distribution on a regular basis out of that, um, out of that nonprofit. We also launched a clothing closet. So if you yourselves or you know of anybody that needs nice clothing. We have men's, women's, and children's clothing. We also have school uniforms. Um, you can get in touch with anybody at the Utah Neighborhood Connection, and we can have you come over and shop the closet. So that has been really exciting for us. And then we're getting ready to launch our summer program, which is going to be Tuesdays and Thursdays, all day long, breakfast and lunch provided. This is all free for our families that participate, you guys. And it has been the most amazing thing and one of the great joys of my life, for sure. So I wanted to bring you those updates and I think God deserves a round of applause 
for what he has been doing in that community. It's been amazing. And again, a lot of that is thanks to all of you and how you partner with everything that's happening over there. So from the bottom of my heart, from everybody over at the Second Street, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So I know some of you may or may not know that we are in the middle um, of our Counting the Cost series, but today we're taking a break from that series and we will wrap it up next week. Um, but we're gonna, we're gonna take some time to do a message on Mother's Day um, to honor God's heart for mothers and what that looks like. But before you start to shift in your seat or maybe tune out, I want to encourage you, this message is for you. It's for each one of you here today. So stay with me. While I was preparing this message, I, um, if you are on social media, you know some of the social medias have a memory of something that pops up. And I had a Facebook Live video that I had done on Mother's Day of 2020 pop up. And so I pushed play and I watched that video back. And it was so fresh. I'd been on a walk that morning and I had been worshiping the Lord and praying and, and talking to him. And while I was on that walk, I felt my heart just being more and more and more tenderized. And so I got into my car and I turned on my phone and I went live and I literally felt like I was just spilling God's heart out. My video was all about the acknowledgement of how hard this day can be for so many people. This day that, that, yeah, we're meant to celebrate because moms are God's idea, right? But like, how painful this day is for so many people. I mean, I can just go down the list. I can start with my two girlfriends that lost their moms when they were below 10 years old. Then I could go on to my girlfriends that struggled for years and years to conceive a child, never knowing if that was ever going to be a dream fulfilled for them. Then I could continue on with the dads that are divorced and they don't have their kids on Mother's Day. And how aware it makes them of their circumstances that they're living in. Then I've got a friend whose child, she doesn't even know where she is. She's on the streets somewhere, but she's not aware of where she's living. Then there are moms that have lost their mom recently. Then there are moms whose kids just don't talk to them anymore. And then there are kids whose moms have never been the mom they hoped and prayed and dreamed they would be. And then there are moms and grandmas whose kids are out of state, so they're alone. There are moms in care facilities where no one's coming to visit them. There are teenagers feeling constantly misunderstood, like they're letting their moms down. 
And then, there, then there's moms that are not sure they even have the skill to be a mom. So days like this, they can shine a light on the pain that so many are feeling, the loneliness, the rejection, the abandonment, the prayers that they feel like may never be answered. There may even be some here today that are celebrating Mother's Day because they have the picture-perfect life, right? 2.5 kids, a dog, a fence. You know what I'm saying. But they feel like they are not doing enough. They're not living up to the world's standards, certainly. And they feel like no one understands and they are carrying shame and worries and guilt that they were never meant to carry. In a world that has literally never been more isolated and lonely, we here in the West especially, we celebrate individualism to a scary degree. And so then we can even unknowingly perpetuate this problem that continues to cycle. Because what if I told you that as followers of Jesus, as believers, we are meant to carry and bring a mother's heart to everyone around us. And when I say a mother's heart, I'm not suggesting we become someone's mother, though for some of us, that may be what God asks us to do. But when I say mother's heart, I mean see people and their situation. Care for those people. Pray for, protect, fight for, listen, bring justice, show compassion, love, bring fun, bring dinner, get creative, defend, sit with, cry with, hold. Can a man have a mother's heart? You better believe it. Have you ever seen a single dad fighting for his kids? Can a teenager have a mother's heart? Yes, absolutely. Just look at most older siblings in the world. My mom was telling the story last night about Nate when I had gone on a trip out of, out of town and she was helping potty train Megan, the youngest, and Nate's like, excuse me, Grandma, you can't do that that way. That's not the way we do things. He was four. I mean, so yeah, yeah, they can have a mother's heart. The phrase, it takes a village to raise a child, originates from an African proverb, and it conveys the message that it takes many people the village, to provide a safe, healthy environment for children, where children are given the security they need to develop and flourish and to be able to realize their hopes and their dreams. I'm going to share with you a story in scripture about a village. It's four women, one man, and one young girl that come together to save 
and care for one child. We find the story in the book of Exodus in what is called the Old Testament of your Bible. And the story gets set up by a reigning pharaoh who gets extremely paranoid. He was becoming afraid that if an enemy of Egypt waged war against them, the Israelites would side with the enemy against Egypt because the Israelites, over 16 generations, had multiplied to such a degree, they would have made an incredible army. So we're going to pick up the story in Exodus 1, 15 through 17. And it says here, The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, and please track with me as I point out all the heroes of this village, because these first two women are our first heroes, whose names were Shifra and Pua. When you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God. Feared God. And did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. I cannot even imagine the courage that took. The strength and the fear of the Lord that was so great inside of them that no matter what, they were going to do the right thing. They were going to choose life. In Exodus 2, 1 through 10, we pick up the story. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman. These two people are our next heroes. And she, would be, she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. I want to back up a little bit <laughs> and try and picture what it may have been like for this couple to even find out they're pregnant during this time, right? You had to be terrified. You're like, is it going to be a girl? Because if it's a girl, she gets to live. But what if it's a boy? And those of you that have had a child, you know that feeling of, oh my gosh, I love this child already. And so the terror that is running through their minds throughout this nine months, it says, when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Again, <laughs> hiding a baby for three months? Have you heard a baby cry? <laughs> you guys, that, that can be something. Three months of their life, sweating inside. What if the neighbors tell? What if this happens? Oh my gosh, what are we doing? What if we get found out? But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch, the ingenuity of this woman. I mean, seriously. And she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister, our next hero, this is where the older siblings shine, you guys. You know this role well. You're doing what mom says. Stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. 
This plan, you guys, to put the baby on the river, things could have gone a number of ways. Even with his sister watching, anything could have happened. But God allowed the time she put the baby on the Nile to coincide with the time Pharaoh's daughter was out bathing on the river, in the river. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. You guys, this whole scene is a miracle. Pharaoh's daughter would have been raised to hate the Hebrews. That's what she would have been trained up in. When she saw the basket with a Hebrew baby, her expected response would have been to push that basket further out into the Nile and let him die. That's what would have been expected. But Moses was crying. And God put compassion in her heart. And she acted on it by taking him in instead of allowing him to suffer and die. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got who? I mean, Lord, seriously. She got his mom. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will what? I'll pay you to feed your own child. Does he do above and beyond? I mean, this is who he is. I, it's... So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter. So she had him alone that whole time to raise him up in the ways of the Hebrew people. She was able to pour into him and teach him and love him. And she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. This village, this group of people, starting with Shifra and Pua, the midwives, that said, no, not on my watch. Then Moses' father, whose name was Amram, and his mom, Jochebed, and Miriam, his sister, and yes, even Pharaoh's daughter, who we already discussed, was supposed to be the enemy, were all people who acted out of faith and compassion and conviction and defiance against earthly kingdoms bent on harming the weak and the vulnerable. In fact, Moses' parents, you guys, are listed in the incredible hall of faith in the book of Hebrews. In verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 23, it says, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid 
of the king's edict by faith. These traits, all these traits came from their creator and they protected even if it meant losing their own safety. And here's what I want you to know. God wants to birth those traits and qualities in each of us. God has a mother's heart, and he wants to birth that in us. So what is our village? Who's your village? I mean, at Second Street Campus, I will say our village there, we have widows. Do widows need a mother's heart? You better believe they do. Yeah. We have single parents. If you've not been a single parent, may I let you in on the fact I've been one. It's hard. Is an extra set of hands and hearts important? Yes. We have young adults. In fact, one of them was sitting next to me on Sunday, and someone said, is this your son? I said, no, this isn't my son. And I looked at him and said, but I'll take you. He's like, all right, all right. So we have young adults. Do they want mother's hearts? Yeah. Yeah, they sure do. What about Sunday school kids and youth group kids? I had the, the I don't know, the awareness as a mother that more was always better than less for my kids. I was not the mom that was like, you better not call anybody else's mom, mom. I was like, if you've got 10 moms, thank you. Because I'm only capable of being one. But it's not just the church village. There's more, right? Let's look at outside our doors. Who's on your street that's your village? Who's at your workplace village? You know, my son Nate's a school teacher. He's like, I was talking to him about this message. He goes, do you know I'm, I'm a mother to my students? Because their moms live in different countries. They don't have anybody here. You guys, it's not even so much what we're meant to do, but who we're meant to be. This is who we're meant to be as followers of Jesus. This story was about a baby that would grow up to become Moses, a deliverer by God of a nation. But does it matter if he grew up to be used by God to deliver a pizza? We matter that much. Each one matters that much. It's profound who surrounded Moses, but everybody deserves to be surrounded that way. I think to truly walk this out, we have to understand the gravity of who we are, whose we are. Jochebed knew who she was. She had no doubt who her God was, who she was serving, and who she was. She understood that because there's no way she was able to do what she did without walking in that truth. 
We cannot live by the lies of the enemy and the lies of this world. The lies that leave us crippled in insecurity and believing all that we aren't instead of all that we are and focused in on ourselves and our situation. No, we have to have a bigger picture than our own tiny little world and recognize and wake up to the fact there is hurt and pain everywhere we turn and people need a hug. They need more than that a lot of the time. God sees us. He loves us. He calls us his. In Luke 13, 34, Jesus says this. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. You know, I had to look up the hen to understand and grasp this. So in previous eras, the hen embodied the essence of motherhood. In the first century AD, the Roman historian Plutarch praised the many ways in which mother hens cherish and protect their chicks. Dropping, or no, sorry, drooping their wings for some to creep under. You can picture it, can't you? And receiving with joyous and affectionate clucks others that mount up on their backs or run up to them from every direction. And though they flee from dogs and snakes if they are frightened only for themselves, if their fright is for their children, they stand their ground and fight it out beyond their strength. Is that not a mama? Mm. They would rather die for their chicks than seek safety in flight. When you have that picture, who do you picture drooping your wings for and protecting? I think of our after-school program staff. Oh, they'd go to battle for those kids every single day. And a lot of those kids are in situations that I cannot begin to describe. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Do you know there's 10,000 children in Ogden that need after-school care? 10,000. So I'm sure there's some friends of your children or around you, kids that just need to be seen and protected and fought for. In Isaiah 49, 15 through 16, in verse 14, I'm going to back it up when it says, Yet Jerusalem says, The Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. And then this is the response, never. Never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I've written your name on the palms of my hands. During the Babylon, Babylonian exile, Israel felt they had sinned so horribly 
that God had forgotten them. They believed that God was done with them. And I don't know if you have ever felt that way before. Maybe you feel that way today. Like, surely this is it. God's done with me. But when we read this passage, we see God's heart so clearly. He uses this incredible imagery to give assurance that in spite of the discipline he had administered, he had not forgotten Israel or the holy city, Jerusalem. He could have used any picture in the world to describe his heart, and yet this is what he chose. God compares his love to Israel to the love of a mother for her nursing child. Asking the question, could a mother forget? And we know most of the time the answer is no. However, in the event a mother did forget her child, God would not forget his people. As dedicated as human mothers are, God is even more dedicated. A mother's love, they say, extends indefinitely beyond her children's infancy. Some say it extends womb to tomb. And this is our reality. Our names are written on his hand. We are permanently on his mind. I love that he uses the palm. If you've ever written the answers to a test, <laughs> you know. You know. It's right there. You're like, yep, there it is. Or, oh, someone's phone number. Right? Back in the day. I know all y'all got a cell phone now, but back in the day, we had to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but we're just right there. We're there. Right? We're never out of his line of sight. We're under his care, under his protection. This is so beautiful. God compares himself to a loving mother. Yes, the Bible emphasizes the fatherhood of God, but there is also a motherhood side to God's nature that we cannot forget. God the Father has a mother's heart, and he wants to birth that in all of us. God has a mother's heart for us, but it is also setting an example for us to have that heart for others. We get to find a mom, and we get to be a mom. There's too many going this road alone. Part of the responsibility is on us. If you need that in your life, you search it out. You find that. Too many people living without mentorship and wisdom and legacy. Too many living in isolation. Too many empty tables. Too many empty car rides to the airport where someone could be driving you and talking to you. We're not meant to go it alone. We're meant to be a village. 
We need the teenagers. We need the young adults. We need the mothers and fathers of the faith. We need the babies. We need them. Jesus mirrored this so perfectly when he went to the cross. (laughs) He laid it out for us. When he was dying, who was on his mind? His mom. Mom, here's your son. Son. Here's your mother. Our family is not always blood. It's more than that. And we've got an opportunity to show what real family is to a world that's been hurt and broken. I'm going to invite the worship team back up and we're we're going to sing a song and then I'll come back up and we'll pray. But as they get ready, I want you to remember that you're in the palm of his hand. So when you're tempted to think you're forgotten, you're not. You are not. He said, never, never. And God also wants you to put others into the palm of your hand so they know they're not forgotten. We want people to know Jesus. We better show Jesus' heart.
as we close, but I just, I want to acknowledge <laughs> that everything we've talked about today is real and it's true, but I also want to acknowledge like, like I did at the beginning, the very real pain that 
might be with people in this room and, and people that are crying out for healing, people that are crying out for miracles. And I want to tell you that God is a healer and, and he's a miracle worker. And, and I want to encourage you to come up for prayer. You know, I'm going to go up for prayer. I'll just be really vulnerable and transparent. My stepdaughters haven't had a relationship with myself um, for too many years. And I am contending for healing and restoration in that relationship. And, and so if that's you today, can I encourage you, whatever your situation is, these people want to pray with you. They want to agree with you for God to do what he can do. Amen? Amen? Yeah, Father God, we just, we come to you this morning so thankful for your mother's heart. When I, when I share about the pain of my relationship, God, you are intimately acquainted with my tears. You are aware of what that feels like. And you're with me in the middle of it. And you are with every woman here that's ever desired to have a baby and hasn't been able to, or the woman that had to lay her child to rest much too soon. The one who, the person who just lost their mom, the one who hasn't had a phone call from their child in too long. All of these situations, God, you're, you're with us in it. You walk with us. We can lean on you. We can trust you. You are faithful. You care. You care deeply. And, and Lord, because you care so deeply, you desire to send us into those situations for one another to hold hands, to wipe tears, and to love and to pray for, and yes, to contend for. So Lord, do what you can do. In Jesus' name.